Hello, watermarkers. This is Kayla Crum, and I uh, have the privilege of getting to discuss Matthew with you today. So I wanted to start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, as we meet uh, over the airwaves, please meet us where we're at, whether we're driving to work, taking our lunch break, or perhaps getting ready for bed. I just ask that you take my imperfect words and turn them into something meaningful for at least somebody out there um, and use your spirit to move um, among us through time and space. Thank you for um, your word and the gift that it is, and may we never stop wrestling with it and learning from it. Amen. So today we have Matthew 20, verses 17 through 34. So I'll start by reading this passage. Now Jesus was going up to Jerusalem. On the way, he took the twelve aside and said to them, We are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. On the third day, he will be raised to life. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down asked a favor of him. What is it you want? he asked. She said, Grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I am going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, You will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my Father. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. As Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside, and when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet, but they shouted all the louder, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and called them. What do you want me to do for you? he asked. Lord, they answered, we want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately, they received their sight and followed him. That is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So there's uh, three separate sections here, and I'm going to focus on the last two. Um, In both of these sections, someone asked Jesus for something, and his response, um, when they come to him and say, hey, uh, pay attention to me, uh, he asks, what? What do you want? And so that really stuck out to me um, because I think that often we assume God, of course, already knows what we want. He knows our hearts uh, intimately more sometimes than we do. And yet the fact that Jesus asks both of these uh, people what they want um, says something to me about his approach to interacting with us. I somehow, um, growing up in the church, got the idea that the desires that I have in my heart um, were mostly probably bad and needed to be stifled or be into submission, so to speak. Um, and I just don't see uh, 
an immediate um, discipline coming from Jesus, even when the question um, being asked is for something selfish. I think that Jesus uh, plants desire in our heart, um, and a lot of them are good. You know, our desires that we have towards different careers or hobbies or passions or relationships. And uh, he wants us to grow and cultivate those desires, and then he can help us work um, for his kingdom. Now, of course, in the first story, um, the the ask was a bit arrogant. They wanted to be in a place of honor in Jesus' kingdom. And yet Jesus does not immediately say, how dare you ask that? And, um, you know, shame the, the asker of the question. Instead, he asks a follow-up question, you know, can you drink the cup I am going to drink? And he makes it more of a learning experience and a dialogue. So this um, brings to mind for me what he's prioritizing. And, and to me, that's relationship. He's not having us ask for only certain things, um, checking the box that we have only the right desires in our hearts. Uh, he wants to hear from us and through prayer, through journaling, through discussion with other believers, I think we can reflect on our desires and um, God can help us discern which of them are rooted in selfishness and which of them are rooted in in him and in our gifts and what we can develop for the kingdom. Um, a lot of you may have heard of the Chronicles of Narnia. It's a children's fantasy series um, written by C.S. Lewis, who was a theologian, uh, I believe, in the 1950s era. And um, in one of these, Aslan, who is the Jesus figure in the stories, um, does not provide a meal for the children who are in the magical land. And when they discuss this with another character, that character says, you know, I have a sort of idea he likes to be asked and that came to my mind when I read these Bible passages. It's again that idea that, you know, of course God, or in the story Aslan, knows what we need. And yet, I have a sort of idea he likes to be asked. And again, I think that what C.S. Lewis was getting at with that is that God wants relationship with us. He created us as relational creatures. Um, he created us with desire in our heart. Desire is what gets us out of bed in the morning and has us enjoy the food that God created and the nature that he created. Desire in and of itself is not bad. And yet God wants us to reach out to him and have that relationship. He likes us to ask, even though he knows what's on our heart, so that we can build that relationship and come to know over time which of our desires should be cultivated and which should be pruned. So as we go into the rest of our day, I just want to close with prayer. Um, and think more on, on our desires and um, not automatically uh, squash them, but to come to God with them and have it be a relationship builder. Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful, wide world you've created, full of wonderful things to desire. I ask that as we examine our hearts and the desires that are in them, that you you know, meet us in relationship as we reach for you and through uh, speaking on our hearts or through other believers or other Christian writings or however we interact with you and your kingdom, that you would help us discern which of our desires are good and which are uh, selfish and needing to be to be pruned by you in a loving way. And I thank you so much that you come to us and say, what do you want? What can I do for you? Thank you for your loving kindness in that way. And may we remember that, that when we come to you and ask for things, the response is not going to be a scoff, 
but rather a loving discussion between two people who are in relationship, um, you, uh, our Heavenly Father, and ourselves. Please be with us throughout the rest of this day, and thank you for this Lenten season as we turn our focus a little bit more towards you. Amen. Have a great day, everyone.